0: March 6, 2023, we're in Masechet Betzandaf and Tet Amud Bet, at the very top of the Amud. Uh, before we begin, uh, just to review one or two concepts that we didn't make clear and are important to address because there were questions about them during the class and after the class, uh, with regards to this uh, sugya, this issue that we've been addressing called Marit Ayn. First and foremost, for some time, several hundred years, the Aharonim, the later rabbinic authorities, distinguished between Two types of well: if people see it, it should be prohibited. Situations. One is what they call marit ayin. That's our sukkah and several other places. And the other one is what's referred to as hashad, hashod means, of course, to be suspicious of someone or something. And the general distinction, although there are questions about the application in all circumstances, but the general distinction with regards to these two realms, these two situations, is that whereas marit ayin, as we described in our subya more than once, is not so much that I suspect what you're doing is per se wrong, it's rather that by me seeing that you're doing this, I'll in turn learn to do this as well. That was the fear of the rabbis. If I'm doing something in whether public or even private fashion, as the Gemara describes according to Rav, well, marit ayin means the eyes will see it and people will learn to do that as well. That's what's called marit ayin. Hashad is probably the more contemporary usage of the words marit ayin, and that is that if I see you doing it, I'm going to be suspicious of you being a violator of mitzvot. Now you're doing it and it's permitted, but I'm going to be suspicious of you. They cite from Masechet Chekalim that the pasuk in at the end of Sefer Midbar talks about being israel. we need to be uh, striving in our lives to be cleansed with regards to the eyes of, so to speak, God and Yisrael. Those are two separate dimensions of halakha, again, we have this fear, which the rabbis told us to have, that a person might learn from my actions to do them. And furthermore, even if they won't learn from them per se, there's hashad; they'll be suspicious of how and why I'm doing that. That's important to mention because there was a little bit of confusion about that. Beyond that, Mars isn't here this morning, but Mars seemed very disturbed on Friday morning, both during the class and during tefillah uh, about the uh, following issue. And that is, if there's a circumstance, I addressed it very briefly in the class, the situation where there's something that looks wrong, for example, if there's par of ice cream or if there's a synthetic milk or almond milk of some sort, and it's going to be served either during a meat meal or after the meat meal for dessert, what's the halacha in such a circumstance? And really that derives from, as I mentioned very briefly, from Shulchan aruch in An de'ah and siman pe'zayin, Ramadar and Saif Gimal has the following statement. He distinguishes between whether you're dealing with basar of, if you're dealing with chicken, together with almond milk, or basar behema. That's a regular meat together with almond milk. When you 're dealing with basar off, when you 're dealing with bird together or chicken together with, um, with almond milk, it says there's no pro- prohibition whatsoever. for one reason or another, since it's only rabbinic in nature, it's still prohibited. but as a result, there's nothing that you need to be fearful with regards to the eyes of others. When you're dealing with having a steak together with a synthetic or a, what a, uh, almond milk, it's allowed, it's permitted, but you have to have some sort of hey, hey put almonds at the table to show that this is almond milk. That's the Pesach HaLachav rama. In terms of applicability of that rama to today's day and age, the post game, for quite some time have debated this matter. And the question effectively gets boiled down to how often would a person look at that milk and say, that's for sure actual milk. Or is there, a, are we living in a time and age, and there's been such developments over time in all sorts of contexts in which you walk into a meat restaurant, you see a person eating meat. You don't assume that that was uh, regular milk. Everybody's aware there's oat milk and there's almond milk and there's mabarif um, milk. I mean, that's, so as a result, the fact that there are so many synthetic milk options, you probably won't have such a fear. Is that a, is that a good claim? Should we therefore be permitting? <laughs> to the best of my knowledge in at least two places in his Gimal siman nun tet, and in his Yabia Omer, Yoredeah, Helek Vav, Siman Het, he sets forth lekula in each of these circumstances. It's permitted to have, he's talking about after the meal, he seems to be specifically addressing, but you're allowed to have coffee together with uh, almond milk following the meal when you had meat during the meal. What's the idea? The idea again is that nobody looks at that and assumes that it's not almond milk, there's no longer an issue of marit ayin once it's a matter, once it's a situation, which is somewhat regular to people, it's not irregular, it's not out of the norm. The example that's quoted as out of the norm is Siman Samechvav in Yore De'ah, where it's talking about the blood of a fish, it's the blood of fish, which is permitted, strange thing, but it's permitted to eat or to drink, I guess it is. Um, if you collect it in a utensil and you're serving it or drinking, I, I don't want to talk with blood, makes me a little uh, queasy. But if that's such a circumstance, that's Asur, oh, that's, asur. Was, uh, it's not, that's right, that's not common. People don't look at that and say, oh, that must be blood from fish. Um, alternatively, uh, other circumstances where it's not, The uh, Saif Dalit there in Siman Pezai and talks about from Rashba, if it's a a woman who's nursing and uh, she pumps her milk, and you want to drink that milk. Also, a little bit funny of a situation. Together with meat, that's also not common. Alternatively, and in contrast to. Almond milk, almond milk is very common. Uh, oat milk is very common. Nobody looks at that and assumes that it's uh, regular milk or the average person wouldn't and shouldn't. As a matter of fact, Chacham Vadeh Yosef quotes in that context from Rosh in his Pesachim to masechid Nidan and Simantet, where Rosh is talking about a prohibition with regards to um, weaving or uh, putting together Um, What's it called? Meshi is a silk together with uh, linen and uh, of course linen Semir and pishtan are specifically, uh, linen and wool are specifically prohibited. What if it's not wool and you, instead of wool, have linen or you have canvas of some sort? Is that permitted? or is that prohibited? Well, once upon a time there was a prohibition. The fact that today, says Rosh, we have so many of those, even then, so many of those materials and they're oftentimes weaved and put together, that in turn uh, renders this mutar, there's no issue of marit ayin any longer. That's the larger and longer discussion in another with regards to marit ayn as it might apply in those sorts of circumstances. I'll just mention very briefly for Ricky that uh, there's a follow-up with regards to Hakam Vadia Yosef's specific opinion with regards to that milk. Can it be served even during the meal or is it only for dessert? In other words, can I bring out, I don't know if you can have the ice cream, par of ice cream in the middle, but I'm going to have coffee in the middle. I want coffee together with my steak, and I'm going to have it with almond milk. Would that be permitted or not? So on that, Rabbi Ovadia Hoffman has a dispute with Rabbi Yehuda Berakha about that matter, about, uh, so that's to be determined, you know, you could speak to your local uh, halakha authority if that's uh, something that you're passionate about doing. All right, that all being the case, that's on the back burner with regards to the general concepts, again, of hashad, marit ayin, and applicability of Maritain to many of, not all, these sorts of circumstances today. We haven't addressed, and I don't know that we will in this context, the type of situation that Alan Mallor brought up if you're going into the McDonald's to buy a Coke or you're going for the bathroom. Those are important, or you're in the public uh, area, in a a mall and you're eating over there. Important issues to be addressed. I don't think that we'll specifically address them. They're not as... Re- uh, relevant to our sukya. Here, the Gemara at the top of Dafteta Mudbet continues our conversation. If you recall, in our Mishnah, we had a machloka between Bet Shamay and Bet Ilel. The circumstance, the situation was such that it's an uh, area called a Shovach. A uh, what we call this, a dove coat, is the way uh, uh, ja- Jared eloquently uh, referred to it. Uh, You're dealing with, uh, I call it a nest of uh, doves of some sort, a nesting area, and there's a ladder which will lead you up to there. Are you allowed? to move the ladder from one nesting area, one dovecote, to the other or not. The issue, again, was the issue of marit ayin. On Amudal, if we debated this matter with regards to is it only if it's in public, is it even if it's in private, a machloke between Hanan and Rav, ultimately speaking, a machloke tanaim, potentially. The Gemara now here at the top says Matnitin our mishnah, which was only talking about whether you can move it from one to the next. De Delo, it would not accord with kihaitana with the following opinion, which is recorded in a beraita. De the beraita records, bishim'on according to this reported that even both they never disputed if you're allowed to take it from one dove coat to the other from one nesting area everybody agrees you're allowed to Maritain? No, Maritain. We're not ner- Why are you not nervous about Maritain? What will emerge in just a moment or two is that Mishum Sim Yom Tov, because of the importance of taking. After all, why are you going up there? You're not just going to check on your birds. You're taking birds in order to slaughter them and eat them on the holiday. Because of Simhat Yom Tov, the happiness, the rejoicefulness, which is obligation, which is what we're going to be doing over the course of the holiday, the Hachamim said we don't uphold our concept of Marit Ayin. Even according to bet Shammai, we had two opinions here in our Mishnah. Both are going to be permitting according to the Bishumon Ben Elazar. <laughs> The question is as I'm moving my ladder from one nesting area to the next nesting area not within the same nesting area from one to the next and you see me doing that and you look at the ladder you say oh he's going to fix his roof going to be the area. If it's very adjacent one to the other so then you know that's what we call to me he's halon le halon tilting, so uh, not yet we're going to be talking about tilting in a bit the tilting in a bit I, I I, tilting in a bit, we'll, we'll have to address, yeah, that he's gonna be even more stringent than that's opinion in that respect. But yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly, it's hard for me to recreate exactly the context, but keep in mind, that was the opinion, you have to enter into, this, into the fold in this context, that even if it's and even if it's in an internal area, and you're doing this, the example, the Gemara was talking about, Rav was talking about, you laundered your clothing, or they got wet before the Shabbat or on Shabbat, now you just wanna hang them outside, uh, not really, and, and you're doing it, let's say, in your boiler room. According to one opinion, it's prohibited. Is an issue with suggesting and this be Shimon ben El Azar. it's not, right? As long as it's sort of Yom Tov. Would that be Marit or that be Actually, that was a gezerah, that was a gezerah. That was a, yeah. a fear that people will in turn assume and make, it's not, it's not per se this action, it's what extends from it. Lo according to the Bishimon bin El Azad, Machlok, and Beti specifically, and only, Ela hazirs Of course, this is a lenient opinion. It's the only issue, the only dispute is, with regards to can you return that ladder After using it to the initial shovach nesting area. According to Shammai, it's not Sorech Yom Tov any longer. I already got my bird, you're now returning. I'm not allowed to return that. Now, of course, the Gemara will later on talk about the famous examples of when the rabbis allowed for something in the aftermath of what you needed and permitted it as well. Of course, the most Relevant one in today's day and age is the Hatzalah car, returning after going to, or, uh, ambulance after going to the hospital. Uh, so that type of situation we will address later on, but you have to already be imagining that in this context, and some of the Rishonim already call our attention to that, but uh, the statement over here is a machlok between Beit and again with regards to only whether you can return. Beit Shammai Say it's not Sorech Yom Tob any longer. With Sorech Yom Tob it was necessary to get the bird. To return the latter, that is no necessity for the holiday. Beti leil, for one reason or another, I'm already getting into your mind the reasoning that might underlie such an opinion, say, you can even return the latter. It continues the beraita, either a disjointed or a continued statement. What do I mean by that? I, I portrayed this again on Friday, but the idea being this next opinion and the opinion that follows it, Are they disputing the opinion which comes beforehand or are they qualifying? You can say something and I can say what you meant to say is. I'm explaining your statement. Alternatively, you could say something. I could say something that seems different, and I am meaning to dispute you. So we'll have that question with regards to this. That's the introductory remarks for this. Amar Biuda, ba'amed varim amurim besulam shel shovach, Haval besulam shel aliyad, ivreha kol asur. Biuda distinguishes. He says, listen, the the mahlok it appears to be specifically and only besulam shel shovach when we're dealing with a particular ladders. That are structured for the nesting. If it's a sulam, not for the nesting, but rather shel aliyah, uh, meaning for roofs or attics, uh, everybody, even betile, would prohibit. We're not exactly sure the context of this, but it's clearly a marit ayin issue. And again, if I see you using, even though I was using it and purposefully for getting birds, it would be also even according to betile, according to the Rabiudah. Lastly, it would be dosa, dosa omer. Two, two, um, two traditions with regards to what Rabbi Dosa says, either Mateo mehalon lehalon, um, either the, the, his statement was you can tilt, and again, I don't know if we're talking about a sulam shel aliyah, or even a sulam shel shovach it's not clear, but his statement is, what I'm allowed to do, and it sounds like the only thing I'm allowed to do, or maybe even allowed to do, it's not fully clear, you're allowed to tilt it mehalon lehalon. Now, let me give you the two options for the moment in this opinion. Either he's saying that even on a sulam shel shovach, even on a sulam, which is purposed for uh, birds, for nest, I can't actually move it, according to that reading of it, Jeffrey, right? I can only tilt it, amazingly. That's how careful he is with regards to uh, marit ayin. Alternatively, he's saying, listen, you're allowed to, with sulam shel move it to your, to your uh, heart's desire with where it lo- really looks wrong because it appears as if you're going up to your roof to fix your roof, where we talked about the two that would be uh, inherent to such an action. Uh, over there, at the very least, you're allowed to tilt it. Nobody's gonna really be looking. There's a major difference between those two approaches. mishum The last opinion with regards to the is not only are you allowed to tilt it, you can even slowly move it. Again, the question of context is an important one. Okay, the Gemara will now address this question this, these questions of context with regards to the opinion of Rabbi Huda, the second opinion recorded in our Beraita, again, what was he talking about? Sulam Shel Shovach, Sulam Shel Aliyah, and Rabbi Dosa with regards to the tilting or moving slightly. It starts with a short story, Ben Rabbi Hiya nafuk Rabbi went to check their fields, for business reasons, to see how things were uh, progressing. I guess they weren't consistently working on all or any of their fields, but they had to check up on them. You're going out of state to check on your real estate. Kiatu, when they returned home, Amar lehu Their father said to them, "Kidumase balietchem. Did any uh, situations arise?" course, if you and I read this, we assume he's asking them about business situations. Did he make good money? Did we incur any expenses, any any, uh, good good circumstances? What's the revenue looking like for this year? Instead, what he was really referring to, fascinatingly, is halacha. Did you have any halachic situations which arose when you were checking on the fields? Happens to be, that's always my reading of the Gemara. I saw this morning, Me'iri alternatively says he heard them debating something. So he said to them, what halacha are you discussing? In other words, he didn't per se, assume they were involved in halacha matters. Anyway, amru <laughs> lo, they say to him, this is what happened. Sula ba'ali adenu. We had a situation with regards to one of these ladders. Again, a ladder for getting birds. And the assumption, of course, is Shabbat or Yom Tob. Specifically Yom Tob. It's got to be actually. because why you're going up there on Shabbat. Ve'itarnu. And we permitted it. Oh, well, again, what, what's the exact situation? Uh, we don't really know uh, just yet, but the Gemara will help us with this in just a moment. Says the Gemara that their father, Bihya, was not all that happy with them. Amar lehu, lahem, he responds to them, se'u go out and prohibit, and retract your permissibility. You made a mistake and you're going to set forth uh, isurim, at the very least, Rabbinic Isurim for these people that you permitted, um, whatever the usage with the latter was, in the future. Inhu, explains the Gemara, here's what happened. Inhu, they, the two sons of Rabbi Hiya, they were reading the same Biraita that we just read a moment or two ago. Savur, their opinion, their, their reading of it was, Midika'amar bihuda b'sulam shel aliyah la pelige, miklad de tanaka pelige. Right, the second opinion here in the Beraita was Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda again distinguished between Sulam Shil'a Aliyah if it's an attic ladder, if it's a roof ladder, or if it's a ladder for nests. Now that opinion, was he disputing, was he disagreeing with the first opinion, of Bishimon ben Elazar, or was he qualifying it? If he was disagreeing, so he's saying that first opinion, the proper reading according to this version is, says that the mahlok between Bechama and Betilel applies both to a sulam shel aliyah and a sulam shel shovach which means to say if I'm dealing with an attic ladder, or a roof ladder, according to Betilel, you're allowed to move it mi le on yom top. That's an amazing thing. That's how the B'nei Rebihya read it. They understood that Rebbi Yehudah is saying, no, 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 Tanaka B'nei It's not so. You thought that it applies to any type of ladder. It's not so. The opinions are only applicable with regards to a ladder which is for nesting. And as a result we turn back and say, oh, B'nei the first opinion that's recorded. Quite a permissibility, quite a kulah, leniency over here. It means that even a ladder which is purposed for fixing the roof as long as I'm Using it for going from one nesting area to the other, it's permitted. Ben be Bichya went and said, "It's mutar." Says to them, "Their father, you don't understand." Rebbe Yehuda was not disputing the first opinion; he was qualifying it. He was explaining it. The first opinion, Bishimon Ben El Azar says, "This is the mahlok of b'chamayim betilev." Says Rebbe Yehuda, "By the way, it wasn't fully clear." Let me tell you what he meant to say. He meant specifically and only in situations where it's a ladder that you could look at it and say, oh, that's a ladder for nesting. If it's a ladder for a roof or an attic, it's certainly prohibited. And that's what the father, Rabbi Hyad corrects them. He was qualifying. He wasn't setting forth that Tanakh Amar was more lenient. He's explaining Tanakh Amar Bishimon ben Lazar was more stringent. Mimai, how can you perhaps prove that that second opinion Rbihuda is qualifying the first opinion. Mide katane molihin etasula mishobach le shovach visalkada atak bisulam shal aliapelige hai mollikin etasula mishovach le shovach. And so the Gemara explains the diuk the the careful reading in the Beraita that this Rabbi had. He said it goes like this. The first words in the Beraita, the first words of Rabbi Shimon bin al-Azhar started with the following statement. They said, you're allowed to move the ladder from one nest to the next nest. Pause for a second. Uh, one nest to the next nest. Rabbi, what are you trying to teach us? You're trying to teach us that you're allowed to move a ladder to a nest. Why would you say from one nest to the next nest? I was just no 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 you have to be very particular with your one. it implies that that ladder was already resting at a nest which means to say it's a ladder specifically and only for nesting right you understand that's the diuk Rabbi Hiya has so Rabbi Hiya says Rabbi in that birayta again you had opinion one opinion one is Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar opinion two is Rabbi Huda that's two so two was really building and qualifying number one he was reading number one and explaining did you listen carefully says Rabbi You he listened to how the rabbi said it? He said he could take it from one nest to the next nest. It means we're only talking about a ladder of a nest. That's his statement here in the Gemara. Why does it say <laughs> from a nest to another nest? If it, was a, if it was the reading like my son says, says it should have said <laughs> yes. <laughs> if, well, that's precisely the point. That's besides the point. That's the only situation where... Oh, you're saying, how could you be oser at all? If, if, if all What's the hada amina? Well, keep in mind. According, keep in mind, according to this beraitah, the mahlok in Beit beti only applies with regards to returning. Moving from one place to the other is permitted even according to Beit So you're not really questioning our beraitah. On the Mishnah, all right, uh, Marita Ayn sometimes gets uh, against the will of Morris Ben, a little bit more expensive. What's that? Yeah, it's not mood per se. What I'm saying is, it's still we still rabbinically look at this circumstance and are uncertain. We're still uncertain. Would this be misperceived? I will tell you just in general, and this comes up in Piri Hadash there in Siman Pezayin, there's a Hacham Yosef quotes at the beginning of the Tisha uh, is do you and I, uh, better yet, the uh, true rabbis of the generation, do they make Marit a'in in today's day and age? Should we have new Marit a'in circumstance situations that arise based on whatever the circumstance uh, is? Uh, in truth those halachot that I told you at the very beginning the almond milk is never mentioned in the Gemara it's not in the Mishnah the case of the woman who uh, drew the milk uh, during her and you're using that milk uh, Rashba, that's not mentioned in the Gemara peri hadash therefore questions the whole enterprise and what are you talking about marit we don't make gezerot and we don't just make restrictions Heck, okay, if it's in the Gemara okay the rabbi is determined for one reason or another we don't extend that that's a general principle he makes this point in shohan aruch in orachayim in on Tafsamech Aleph as well. Over there, Maghen Abraham quotes from Knesset Hagedola about using masa, as my grandmother used to all the time, uh, in a way that you fry it and you turn it into all sorts of things. In today's day and age, you'd probably say you make matzah bread, you know, and matzah brie, you know, all those sorts of things. Is that permitted or prohibited on Yom Tov? So Knesset Hagedola is an important uh, Greek rabbi from some 250, 300 years ago. He's Osir, Maritain, Maghen Abraham cites him. Peri Hadash says, Where well, did you come up with this? We're not just makeup. What's that? I'm pesah. I'm pesah. No pesah. Huh. Yom Tov would be no different. I mean, I'm pesah. Pes- Yom Tov, i Pesa as well as cholamoyed no So I, I will tell you, just in terms of the general conversation, we wouldn't extend this that far necessarily. Although Shulchan Aruch and Rama are, so you know, you have you have that sort of debate. When I, I'll be very honest, to my mother-in-law. I can't tell you everything she makes is delicious. But she makes these delicious matzah. She doesn't listen to the classes. She makes these delicious matzah rolls, she calls them. I remember we were in the, uh, in, in the Prospect Park Zoo and we were eating that. I watched the Jews next to us looking at us like we were crazy. That's 100% kosher. And, uh, all the post scheme, right? That it's 100%, it's no problem. I'm there is my I mean, in the real sense, people, I understand, so maybe, maybe it can now, maybe it can now appeal to the beginning of the class that it's already accepted. I don't know if 20, 30 years ago it was, maybe it is, I don't know. Until I got married to it, I never saw such a thing. I guess you guys go on the trip and see it all the time, but I I don't know, I've never seen such a thing. It's, a, it's a, But uh, that, that's. But, but two-hour Gemara, Charles, yes, there is an extension, but it's in bed. okay? Why don't you say Zulam, no good. We want we want people to have fresh chicken on the holiday. If you're eating puns at the zoo, I'm going to the town for a proper Alan, slow, slow, don't derive. All right, we need to address that one. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara on there. Okay. Um, so he hakekamar. A shel shovach uh, in shel aliyah Okay, so that's uh, rather that's the proper reading of it. Says Rabbi Hiya. The statement is of Rabbi Huda. He's explaining Rabbi Shimon ben El-Azar, whom we're referring to as Tana, the opinion from the Beraita or Mishnah Kama, the first one. We're explaining it. He was talking about sulam shel shovach The sons of Rabbi Hiya. how did they read it? Read it. They said you should have been more explicit. No, no. One second. I heard the rabbi say from one nest to the other nest. Why do you say from one nest to the other? Oh, well, if he wanted to say we're talking about a ladder of a nest, you know what he would have said? On a ladder of a nest. In a situation of light, it didn't say the ladder of a nest. He never said a ladder of a nest. The response of B'nerbihia was, or that was their thought. The understanding was the reason the words are from one nest to the next nest was just to tell you it doesn't matter if you take it from one to the next to the next and the next, as long as you're in that context. But it doesn't per se imply to us that we're dealing with a ladder for nesting. Okay, that's the first version with regards to the sons of Rebihiyah and their father. Again, the issue was whether we extend the permissibility of Beit Shammai, specifically of Beit Ileil, with regards to the sulam shel shovach to even sulam shel aliyah. Says the Gemara, there's a different version. Keep in mind our last opinion in the Beraitan, that of Rabi Dosa. Rabi Dosa, for some reason or another, was talking about tilting what type of ladder was he talking about? Was he talking about tilting the ladder of an aliyah? Or was he so stringent that even, uh, uh, Charles and Jeffrey, even on a sulam shel shovach, there's marit ain if you're doing anything other than tilting. Crazy thought, but that's going to be one of the major opinions here ikad de yesh she which means to say we have oral tradition as always in the gemara and it's uncertain as to exactly what took place what transpired we know something happened the sons of behiya returned you're repeating the story to someone else and you forgot the exact details you think it went like this so there's different versions one version was the first version we just read in the gemara second version is this one I, you know some people decry this as a tragedy of Torah Baalpeh can you imagine we lost the tradition for me this is exciting we have different options you remember it that way I remember it this way we have all sorts of laws we can derive the dispute between the sons of Bihiyah when they returned from their business uh, um, looking into matters uh, was the following it was specifically a circumstance where it was a question of tilting a sulam shel the Aliyah, or third opinion in the Beraita, that third opinion which permits specifically and only tilting but not moving, is it saying you can only tilt a sulam shel Aliyah, building off of opinion number two, Rabbi Yehuda, or is it saying that even a sulam shel you look at it, you say oh that's that's the type that they use for nesting, even that could only be tilted. So they read it as, oh come on, it's not such a stringency, what was he talking about? He was talking about even though it's a, a ladder for a roof or an attic, you can at the very least it was a little bit of a leniency. Um, uh, and we said it was permitted. That's how we read it. You didn't understand. Go back and prohibit it. Their understanding was That which the earlier opinion meaning we're calling him Tanakama. now. It's a little confusing but that's the way it goes. Uh, was, um, he was permitted. He was uh, disagreeing with the uh, p- 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 opinion right before in Velohi, and it's not so. To be I explained to his sons, "My dosa." It was not so. It was rather to bi be dosa being more, um, more prohibitive than the opinion that preceded him. Whereas the opinion that preceded him said that Sudan shel shovach, the ladder which is for the nest, is allowed to be moved. Rabbi Dosa say you can't even move it unless it's very slowly or slanting. That's what we have here in our Gemara. What are the practical ramifications? I don't know a lot about ladders and birds. Hard for us to really apply that. What we did see, however, was earlier in the Gimara the question of whether Marit ayin extends to even Hadre Hadarim. That's an important issue. The concept of Marit ayin we addressed at the beginning of class today, talked about last week. What about that issue, which we never fully fleshed out and we won't right now? But I will tell you, and Siman Shin Aleph and Sa'id addresses this spot on this issue of afilu hadarim. As Asur is an applicable halakha which is an amazing thing. That means to say that when I'm doing something which could be misunderstood, even in privacy, I'm not allowed to be doing. We are posek halacha like Rav. However, we're posek halacha like Rav specifically and only when there's an isur min torah when I'm playing with something which would be prohibited biblically. If it's a rabbinic prohibition, I say, It's for that reason the Gemaraan Masechet Ketubot and Dav according to the understanding of Tosafot, deals with the following situation. If there's a sinor, if there's a uh, pipe or a uh, gutter, which is letting water out. So it's raining and it's letting water out, but it got, became uh, blocked up. And as a result, I want to open it up on Shabbat, on Yom Tob. I'm allowed to ma'achan, baregil. You're allowed to, with your foot, you can't use a utensil to clean it out. I don't know what utensil, snake or whatever. But what you can do is you could use your foot to do so b'tzina'ah, in privacy, hoshesh, that's muta. Why is that so? The Gemara explains because it's mitaken kel aharyad. What melacha are you affecting by crushing the stuff inside of there? Mitaken, mitaken mana, you're fixing that utensil, so to speak. However, you're doing it kel aharyad, you're doing it in a roundabout way, it's only rabbinically prohibited. And therefore, if it's a rabbinic prohibition, the understanding of that Gemara goes is, as long as it's done privately, it's permitted. But, and this is significant, but if you're dealing with an nisu min torah we'll have to deal with the specifics. As Shulchan Aruch tells us, the halacha that we read about, the Halakha from Masechet Shabbat on Daf Sameche, we read about on Daf Teta if the circumstance where your clothing got wet, on Shabbat, on Yom Tov. It seems, and Shohan this way, that since I'm playing with melechet milaben, I'm dealing with a circumstance where it would be prohibited, min torah a person looks at it and says, oh, I think what he did was he must have laundered it today. In such a situation, you're not allowed to be shotana filubisina'ah, you're not allowed to do it even in privacy. That's an important. I don't know that we hang clothing all that often any longer, uh, but so that would be the halakha. Yeah. This technically would bring about a big <coughs> beyond meat, fake hamburgers, then lab grown meat. Well, OU, I think already made a statement that lab grown meat is not meat, we have dairy. Yes. These sorts of issues would potentially... Keep in mind that, that you have a multifaceted issue over there. Number one, is it considered meat in the first place? Uh, if it's considered meat in the first place, not maritain. ayn. These women are out. Um, Beyond that, you're dealing with potential maritain unless and this is quickly becoming the reality, we can assume and, and establish people look at it and they say, oh, yeah, of course, there's grown there's synthetic meat all the time, there's of uh, uh, hot dogs, and so forth. So, and and it's, it's already been debated and addressed in this sort of Very context, combat. yeah. All right, says the Gemara here, just a few lines onward, avalmatehu mehalon lehalon. If you recall, our Mishnah had the following statement, although there's a machloket, although there's a dispute with regards to um, whether the Mishnah said, even though you're not allowed to, even though you're not allowed to, according to Bet move the ladder from one nest to the next nest, if it's within the same nest and you're just tilting it from one side to the other, according to our Mishnah, Bet says it's permitted. So as the Gemara, let's just take a step back and notice what that implies about Bet What are Bet Shammai versus Bet Hillel saying, clearly, after 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 all, why are you climbing the ladder? To get a bird. Why are you getting the bird? Not to play with it, per se, but to slaughter it and eat from it. That's what you want. You want chicken at your meal. So with regards to Simhat Yom Tob, establishing a joyful nature for your meal and day, according to Beti we're willing to be more permitting. We're willing to let you even move the ladder. According to Beit Shammai, we draw a line. No, not so. Not such a surprise. We're used to Beit Shammai being the hard line approach and Beti being a little bit more liberal, but it's clear over here in our Mishnah, that's the Mahlokit. With regards to some hat yom tob, do we still have a fear of Marit Ayin or not? To what extent? Says so the Gemara, but I have a contradiction. I'm gonna find a alternative Mishnah, would you know we already learned the Mishnah, where we have the opposite. So Jared says, let's just quote the first line in our Mishnah. Interestingly, we're gonna quote the last line in our Mishnah or the next line in the Mishnah. What's the first line in our Mishnah? Yom Tob, right? Our Mishnah talked about Betzashin Yom tob, Bet and beti prohibit that's what the gemara should ask from instead the gemara is going to do a question a contradiction the last law for some reason for some reason, we quote from the last part of the Mishnah. So one of two answers, yes. As Jared suggested, and some Rishonim go that way, is instead, instead of going to the beginning of the first Mishnah, go to the end. It's the most, it's the closest to what we're debating over here. Alternatively, Tosafot on the right-hand side suggests Yom Tob, an egg? Come on, an egg that gives you happiness? I don't know about you. I get happiness from meat, from chicken, from uh, from steak. And as a result, you're not going to liken that first Halacha in our first Mishnah to a classic and generic situation of simchat yom tov and say, oh, you see Beit Mai is lenient and Beit Hillel is not, because simchat's not real, simchat yom tov, it's a quasi simchat yom tov. You're talking about slaughtering and then doing the uh, kisui hadam, that's real simchat yom tov, you're dealing with an animal, you're dealing with a bird that you're going to actually be eating at your meal. That's where we have a, a conflicting or contradictory statement with regards to bechamai and Beit Ilel, where Beit Ilel seems to be the stringent opinion and bechamai the lenient opinion. For that, we're going to have to adjust address that issue, that contradiction as we go ahead.